0: And welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. We are a show about local politics that aims to get more people engaged in local issues. Today, I am here with Amber Sosa and Christopher Rose and Thomas Moore to discuss the Texas Democrats and the situation with them fleeing the state and the voter restriction bill. And then a few other topics as well regarding uh, local news and uh, some Texas history related stuff. So how are you guys doing this morning?
1: Amazing. Pretty good. How are you?
0: Yay. Doing
2: pretty good. I am fantastic in every conceivable way. (laughs) Fantastic. That's
0: awesome. Glad to hear that. I have
3: to hop on that train. There
0: we go. (laughs) Be a little beacon of light for us. Sweet. So, okay, I guess we'll we'll go ahead and just get into the big main topic, and then we can kind of touch on everything else after that. Uh... You may have heard, listener, uh, if you listen to NPR or maybe, you know, I'm sure on the social medias, people have been talking about it. They have a mind about the t- special legislative session that has been going on. So, again, just to kind of recap, Texas only meets our Congress, our Senate and our House only meets every other year and they meet from like February to May. And so they did that earlier. There was a bunch of hubbub about abortion bills and a bunch of hubbub about, you know, the the critical race theory bill kind of at the end of the session. A few things we kind of hit on that stuff in previous episodes. So now the governor has called a special session to bring everybody back in to finish legislation in regards to voter restrictions that didn't get passed in the regular session for various reasons. Um, And so that's the reason. So the governor can call a special session whenever he wants. He has the authority to do that. He can do it as many times as he wants to. He can set the parameters of how long the session is. Uh, And so he called this one for this purpose. And we'll go over here in a moment what's actually in these voter restriction bills or Yeah, Bill. And uh, and then kind of talk about why they so the Democrats left because they really had no other options to prevent the passage of this bill uh and so yeah so what do y'all think of this move do you think it was good bad what's your take on it i'm for it yeah
1: i don't know ultimately if it's gonna be effective in preventing the bill being passed but like i'm glad they're not just like laying down and you know letting it go through without you know any type of incident because it you know, I mean, we're talking about like access to democracy, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's, I'm I'm for what they're doing.
0: Yeah, I was talking to a friend yesterday, day before yesterday, about this, and he hadn't really been engaged, wasn't really, didn't know what was going on or why. You know, they, they, he just heard that they had left, and I guess probably heard the 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 framing of this, like, oh, they're they're abdicating their their job or their duties, and he was like, it's ridiculous, people can just leave. The state when they're supposed to be working and just like you know get away with that or whatever, and I was like, well, I mean, it's a you know in politics, politics is a game. You got to figure out what your options are in a given situation. Like when they're trying to pass this much voter restriction, which he didn't know what with any of that was in it. I was kind of telling him, and and like, okay, if they're trying to prevent that from happening, what are our options to prevent that? Well, this is pretty much all they have left. It's like, okay, we got to leave the state, which essentially once you have enough people out of that the chamber, then you don't have a quorum and you have to have a quorum, this like minimum number of people to convene and to actually do legislation. So 50 Democrats flew to D.C. Now they can't do a quorum. And so and they kind of said they're going to stay there. Yeah. For the end of the session, which means nothing's going to get done. And so the so the Republicans are essentially framing this as like they're not doing their jobs. They're they're leaving the voters behind. And then they're kind of talking about Thomas. We're kind of talking about this a little bit before on air. Uh, the funding for it like they're kind of framing it as if like they're they're spending taxpayer money <clears throat> flying out to DC and staying in hotels over there and stuff which isn't true they're not it's it's all through uh, caucus money and campaign financing which that in itself is a separate topic and i we all i think got issues with the campaign finances the current the current system that's set up um, but that's that's how they're paying for this it's not through um it's not our money not that our money. they're
1: spending it's the yeah. money we had already given them If we if we gave anything to support their individual campaigns. So.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to read a little bit from the Texas Tribune article, Texas Democrats land in Washington, D.C. and promise to stay out of Texas until after special legislative session ends August 6th. As always, these links are going to be below in the show notes so you can click away and proofread and check and make sure that we're, you know, that we're quoting this information accurately, but also like maybe you disagree with our takes about these things. Hit us up on Twitter, FW Review, if you if you do. Um, so in this in this article, essentially, we've got I'm just going to kind of read it. We've got a Fort Worth Democrat who is a Texas House representative. Um, Chris Turner kind of says uh, that this is our message to Congress and that we need them to act now. Meaning, OK, so like the strategy behind this and kind of like their only option is is for the Biden administration and the current. U.S. Congress to pass voter reform, which they've talked about doing, but it hasn't happened yet. And they're like, that's pretty much our only option. Like they're essentially trying to buy time to where the national, the federal government can then pass legislation that'll override these Texas restrictions. Um, And so that's kind of why they're going to D.C. They're planning to do that. And it was 51 of the 67 Democratic members of the Texas House are the ones who fled up there. And yeah, I don't know. I I would, Do y'all think Biden's gonna, gonna advocate for this? There's been, one thing I've noticed is that this was something that we've talked about in, oh, where'd Thomas go? Thomas, Thomas left. Um, You know, I've been following this for a couple of weeks. It's been, the Texas Tribune has been covering it. The Fort Worth Weekly has been covering it. It's been in the local media, but now I've noticed, I don't know, Amber, if you have like on YouTube, the, a lot of the national people that we watch is now talking about the fact that the Texas House has done has made this decision or whatever. Yeah. So maybe there'll be some pressure on that.
3: Ru, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it feels like they're playing the game, you know. I and I think I can definitely see Biden putting some pressure on this. He's he's been um, he's been verbally opposed to the voter restriction bills. Yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah, he I don't has. have any
3: like quotes in front of me or anything, but. No, you're right. Uh, I can I can definitely see him at least throwing, you know, his his word behind them. Um if not taking any like legal action.
0: Yeah. I hope so. That that would be nice.
1: I think that we like definitely need reforms um I guess like or maybe not reforms is maybe reforms isn't the right word, but like we do need like some legislation at the federal level that will stop um you know, certain states from, you know, trying to implement stuff like this because it this isn't only happening in Texas. Like, I think Georgia is, like, really where the G- their GOP is, like, hammering down the hardest um, because Georgia, of course, went blue for the first time in I don't know how long, um, if ever. <laughs> and so I think that, like, the scared the, the fuck out of, like, you know, like, Abbott, And Dan Patrick and even um, Arizona was, you know, they recently started trending more democratic as well. And like they're trying to implement a lot of, um, you know, legislations there as, you know, to keep, you know, to make voting, voting harder. And of course, like the policies that, you know, they're trying to adopt like in, you know, like it previously um, have impacted, you know, people of color more so than you know white white voters um and it does seem to be like you know like a a racist agenda Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and they're all but admitting that it's a racist agenda and so i would think it's really important that you know like people in georgia or texas or arizona you know have the same ability to access um, you know voting and participate in democracy as people in california or New York do, um, And I think it's really, I think short-sighted because I don't think that these policies are going to be like quite as detrimental to Democrats, like, and just like not affect, you know, like conservative voters at all. Like, I yeah. think that there's a strong possibility that it's going to end up even kind of backfiring for them. But like,
0: well, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, certainly. I mean, it's restricting voters of across the across the board, right? And yeah. so, and most people who vote in Texas are Republican, you know, right? Well, uh, depending but, on what you're talking about. I mean, but, I'm
1: just kind of thinking back to like like the voter ID law, you know, that passed. Um, I don't know when was that? Like 2013, 14, 14 I think, or whatever. You know, like that. Um, you know, that was targeting like lower income people of color. You know. Um, Many who have, were, you know, impacted by or, or ensnared rather like by the criminal legal system, you know, who like don't just like have an ID on hand and maybe don't have, you know, a ride to get an ID. You know, it just there's a lot of different barriers, you know, that that people that are, you know, in a more privileged neighborhood that have a car that, you know, have like support systems, you know, um, that help them do what they need to do to be able to vote that you know it's hard to imagine like what it's like for for people that live in areas of concentrated poverty and how much harder it is and so I think on on the surface it's like oh like who doesn't have an id but in reality like actually quite a few people don't don't have one maybe their id got stolen like I've worked with like you know homeless youth who like you know that don't have an id like many Mm -hmm. disenfranchised people like don't have IDs. and so um, you know like when that came about like that was kind of a, a big deal but a lot of people like didn't understand why you know and yeah, i think no, a lot of these policies are similar
0: yeah and so we we'll, we'll, we'll go through those here uh and so there was another texas tribune article that's just like what's what's in the new voting restriction legislation and it kind of just goes through kind of point by point these are the things that they're advocating for and a lot of this stuff was put on either the house version or the senate version the republicans wrote these bills you know and the house version of the bill was kind of one way the senate version of the bill was was slightly different and neither of those passed in the regular session uh and so now they're essentially kind of taking the best of of those two bills and like trying to put them all in one piece of legislation and pass it now which is why the, the democrats are leaving so what why so why are the democrats leaving what are they what are they not wanting to to pass Um, it is a ban on drive-through voting. So during the 2020 election, Houston kind of pioneered, uh, because of the pandemic and everything, this whole drive-through voting thing. And they actually had eight different locations set up at like, you know, stadium parking lots and that type of thing where people would just come through, show their ID, fill out their stuff, and then kind of go and be on their way. Uh, I don't, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're for democracy, if you're for people ease of people expressing their opinion, like there's 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 nothing wrong with this that I can see. Um, and it says in the article that it was very popular in Houston and one in 10 people who voted early in 2020 did it through drive through voting. And so that's a lot for Houston at 10 percent. That's a lot of that's a lot of people. Um, I'm trying to think of what the population of Houston is. It's like eight, six million or something like that. Like it's it's huge. It's, yeah, <laughs> five million, something like that. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think of drive-through voting? Is that is that Base? a bad idea? <laughs> Base, yeah.
1: I like it. I, I'm not like, yeah, I mean, making it easier for people to vote. Like,
3: yeah, <laughs> like it seems like it just exclusively makes it easier. You know, I mean, it still requires. Like, all the same things. It's just that yeah. it's faster.
0: It doesn't restrict voting in any way. Like, it's not, I mean, you could, oh, oh you have to have a car to do you drive through voting. Well, you can still go regular. You can take a bus to the polling place. It, it, it doesn't, it's just making it more accessible to more people. And, like, yeah. just not providing that is just preventing people from voting. Like, it's full stop. That's all. <laughs> I like, guess there's, there's nothing else you can really say about that. Um, yeah, like
3: we, we love drive throughs until until it's helping more people vote. Right. Like that doesn't make any sense. Then. Right. Right. It
0: really doesn't. Um, So, yeah, again, it just comes back to, you know, kind of totalitarian authoritarian type of strategies by this Texas administration, you know, and just going like, nope, we, we just don't want people to be involved in the democratic process. OK, the next one is new regulations for early voting hours uh, and a ban on 24 hour voting. So that's another thing Houston did. Uh, they did a few days of 20, you can come in anytime, 24 hours a day and come in and place your vote, which again, like that sounds great. You have people who are night shift workers, right? Mm -hmm. You have, you have all sorts of people who for whatever reason, can't make that nine to five hour, the eight to seven to seven, eight to eight or whatever. Um, even though your job is supposed to allow you time off to go vote, most people either aren't aware of that, right? Or like, don't, don't try to use it
1: or aren't comfortable, like asking their yep. boss you know like hey yeah. can i go do this thing or whatever
0: it like, might be yeah you know, legal but it doesn't mean that they're gonna be happy about letting you do that
1: like i've definitely had jobs where like i wouldn't have felt comfortable asking my
3: boss to let me leave to go vote or yeah. whatever <laughs> like
1: yeah yeah,
3: yeah. Same. like where you wouldn't be like afraid of retribution if you like took exactly. your legal right to go vote right. exactly and
0: yeah. you have to if they did retribution like you'd have to then pay a lawyer and sue them. You'd have to go through the whole process to 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 call them on the carpet on it, and that's most people yeah, can't and nobody do, can that. do that. Yeah. But the, just the, because
3: the, it's legal doesn't mean it's easy.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Easily accessible.
0: So I the thing that I thought was sneaky about this part that I've noticed the Republicans like on NPR. I heard what the Republicans are saying is that they're extending voting hours. Like, why would the Democrats? Why are they not doing their jobs? We're just trying to extend early voting hours here in Texas. So that's in this section. Like they're banning twenty-four vote uh, hour voting, but at the same time they're adding an hour <laughs> to to the current voting. What is it? Let me. To read the
3: requirement.
0: It. Yeah, the bills add an extra hour of required early voting hours for local elections, moving it from eight hours to nine hours. Uh, And both bills lower the population threshold for counties required to provide at least 12 hours of early voting each day of the second week of early voting in state elections. So you have the first week that kind of has shorter hours, but that second week you have 12 hour, like seven to seven, like 12 hour blocks. And apparently you have to have a certain population number before you are like allowed those 12 hour blocks. And so it it used to be 100,000 people. And this bill is changing it either to 30,000 or 55,000. They haven't like decided or set down a number yet, but that's good too, like, you know, credit where credit's due or whatever. Like, not that I want any of this to pass, but like, that's a, that's a thing where they're like, they are making a a few concessions to the Democrats. And there's another one we'll see later. Um, where it's like, okay, well, we'll do this, but we're still going to take all of this other stuff away. Um, the next one is a ban on the distribution of mail-in ballot applications. So you can't like preemptively send out applications. Like if you, if you want to do it by mail, you have to be proactive about it and go fill out, find the form online, print it off or whatever, fill it out yourself. Um, this, you can't as like a nonprofit, like send off, uh, a bunch of applications, which is again, the thing that Houston did, Houston sent off applications to all. So here's the number 2.4 million registered voters in Harris County or in Houston. So, yeah, I guess the, it's probably about half the population or or thereabouts or whatever, registered voters. Um, and the Texas Supreme Court blocked that effort this past in 2020. To, yeah. for, but when they tried to send that, I mean, there were was, was stories about that. And so they weren't able to send that registration out to everybody. Um, but they were able to do it to people 65 and older. And there wasn't really much hubbub about that. Um, so, again, like, I don't know. What do you guys think of that? Like, restricting mail-in ballot applications. It's not like they're even sending out ballots. They're sending out applications yeah, for Yeah, no, them. I this mean, like, dumb.
3: again, it just, it feels like just being, like, too many people voted this time. Yeah. So we have to make sure that number goes down. Yeah, I think they realized
1: that, you know, people that were taking advantage of mail-in voting were, like, more in line with, like, like, I guess, like, more on the left. You know, there were more, like, Democrats Accessing it, then there were Republicans, and they were like, "Well, fuck, like this is gonna hurt our turnout, or you know, like this is gonna hurt our election outcomes. So let's uh make it harder for the people that we don't want to be voting to vote." Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: don't Basically. know. It's, it's just, it's just really kind of sickening. Like the, the more it's just like, really, you just you don't want people to do this. You don't want people to do this. And again, like most people who identify most of my friends anyway, who are on the right, like, are all about s- small government, right? <laughs> not a lot of government overreach, not yeah. a lot, you know, and this is literally the state involved, you know, involving itself more and more in the democratic process. And like, and I get, and they're framing it in a way of like protection, like, Oh, we got to protect the voting process. Cause there's all these illegals voting. Oh, we got to have people with IDs. Yeah.
1: And it, it's just, yeah. It's, it's just, just the so opposite. Ridiculous. Yeah.
0: So a a few more, um, a ban on the distribution of, oh, we already covered that one, the mail-in ballot. So new ID requirements for voting by mail. So now, now you don't just need an ID just to vote in person, but also voting by mail. They're having you either require your driver's license number. If you don't have one, you got to provide the last four digits of your social security number. Um, and then for the votes to be counted, voters will be required to include matching information on the envelopes used to return their balance. Um, I mean, that's, I don't know, it doesn't seem like a lot extra, but it's another step. It's another thing that you've got to go through.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been against the, the voter ID laws, um, you know, since like 2014 or whatever. Yeah. And that's actually like one of the laws that I think had already passed in Arizona. That was like one it was a new law for them, like they didn't have the voter ID requirements. And I think just a couple maybe, like, a month or two ago, like, um, you know, like, people filed, like, lawsuits against it, and it actually, like, went up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court upheld voter ID laws, so yep. that was, a, um, you know, like, a loss to me, um, yeah. and a lot of people were, like, really upset um, about it, and I kind of figured it would be upheld because <laughs> we've been doing it for, like, how mm-hmm. many years now yeah. here in Texas, um, but there's actually, like, Uh, like a lot of people it it, it set a lot of people who like aren't in texas like off you Mm -hmm. know like concerned about how the supreme court is going to actually rule in in the cases of these other um, you know laws that are being challenged that are being passed in you know like conservatives like leading states so they're like oh like they upheld that like what else are they gonna uphold? so i don't know i mean even if all of this stuff ends up passing you know it's going to be challenged it's ultimately the supreme court is going to be making a decision um and this is not a supreme court that i want determining these things like it's just not like it's just not um so i don't know like it is in my view like going to be up to you know like um you know the federal administration to or in in the biden administration to really you know like come i guess to our rescue (laughs) um because (laughs)
0: I know that it sounds weird to even say that.
1: Yeah, but but like, I mean, we're in Texas. It's not the first time that we've had to say that. It's not going to be the last, you know.
0: Yeah. What do you? Since we're on the topic, like, what's y'all's take on? Um, I hate to use the term "packing the court," but what I mean by what I mean is adding more Supreme Court justices.
1: Pack the (laughs) shit out of it. Like that's that's me. Like, I mean, what
0: number do you think?
1: Um. I don't know. Is there actually a, a limit?
0: Well, no. I mean, it's it, there's been different proposals in the, over the past, you know, century or so of mm-hmm. of trying to add, you know, two justices, maybe adding four justices. Um, AOC's talked about it a little bit. Uh, you know, we have nine. We currently have nine justices. Yeah. Um, and the whole the whole thing of that is like if you add more, then you kind of are watering down, I guess, each of their individual power in it, and you're adding more voices to the court.
1: And that's perfectly fine. I mean, yeah. how many? americans are there and it's ultimately nine people deciding like what our laws are like yeah i mean that's insane to me like if you were to just like set up um a court system or like a government system like today if i was just gonna like build a country and create a justice system or a court system like like nine people like, yeah. making all the, calling all the shots, like, I, I'm not really, I, I mean, I would like to see, like, at least 12, like.
0: <laughs> well, you want it to be an odd number. Right. That's okay. the thing.
1: 13, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like, I think, like, 50 really would, you know, 51, I guess, like, <laughs> yeah. it would actually be better, like, the more the better, like, in, in my opinion, because, like, that's, oh, I mean, people aren't.
0: Uh, I mean, really, and, like, if you look at this from a, you know, checks and balances perspective that's the whole point of the three branches having the judiciary you know they have the executive who executes the law you've got the legislative branch they're the, the congress they write the laws but words on a paper mean different things to different people so you yeah. need the judges to interpret the law for us if you're wanting that to be a check against executive power or exec- or against legislative power then you want them to have more separation from those entities meaning right. if you got nine people and six of them really like the president um then the president can really influence the or the president's party or whatever can really influence how those nine people are voting so if you got 51 people in there yeah it's way harder right um to to, to kind of that 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 influence is diffused you know among among more people yeah so i mean if you're if you're a real strict constitutionalist and and want, want want to you know want to reform it to be more like the founding fathers' documents, um, then you probably want more justices in there because that's actually making the courts a little bit more powerful. And power has been taken from the courts ever since the, our inception. Essentially, yeah.
1: I mean, honestly, like after Trump, like packed all of the lower courts, like him and Mitch McConnell packed out <coughs> of all the lower courts. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna be. I don't know, like maybe two generations from now <laughs> before like things are like back to like being more more balanced, you know, because of they they like elected all of, or appointed all of those conservative judges like in the appellate court, like all the all of the lower courts. So I mean, even just getting something, you know, challenged like up to the Supreme Court um, is going to be really it's going to make it that much harder because, yeah. you know, like it can be ruled on like in the lower court. So like, say, you know, like somebody is trying to, you know, I'll use a conservative example. So you're trying to overturn Roe v. Wade, you know, um, and you're trying to like get the court, the case, like kicked up to the Supreme court so they can ultimately, you know, like rule one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like if you had a bunch of democratic judges in the lower courts, they might be like, no, that's dumb. We would not like, even make it up there. Yeah, yeah. Like I, like you're not, I'm not going to kick this up. You know, yeah. that's stupid. Um, And so it's like the opposite issue that we have. And I think that's something because yeah. like the courts are so difficult to understand. I think, a lot of people don't realize what the impact is ultimately And a lot be. of that's
0: done on the local or the state level. And those yeah. are the elections that people don't participate in. This has been a, a, a Republican strategy for the past 20 years of well, like, hey, before Obama, and like kind of in response to, to they, Obama, they especially.
1: And they weren't even voted on. They were appointed by. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, but appointed by state legislators or governors. Well, yeah. You know, who are at voted on these, these off-year elections, these but, smaller elections. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, that's what I mean. And they, they've been. Cleverly trying to take advantage of state especially since 2008 they wanted to take the house back in 2010 at the at the federal level but they were yeah. like state houses are, are the key they want to take the courts back because mm-hmm. they want to overturn roe versus wade and so they've been trying to get conservative judges in in, in the court and they in texas we're a perfect example of that I mean, you can just see we I mean, were already conservative anyways yeah. but you can see if you just look to like 2000 versus 20 you know now and see like how many seats how much control has been taken by that party and that's not just happened here in texas that's happened nationwide Mm -hmm. even in blue states what you think of traditionally blue states their state house or their state senate is often red and so that's how you end up with all these you know republican judges and then that's how you end up with all of these silly cases that actually make it to the supreme court yeah
3: i think
1: like trump and mcconnell like I know I'm not going to, like, give the right number, but I want to say they appointed, like, 600 judges. Yeah, it's like, something like that. It was something insane. A historic and number. It, and honestly, like, I mean, this is just getting into, like, well, you know what? We're, we've derailed.
0: We've, <laughs> we've derailed a lot. Sorry, guys. Like, we need to
1: <laughs> get back on track.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so. <laughs> okay. If I
1: keep talking about it, they're just going to derail that us rant, more. Though. So, like.
0: Well, real quick, Rose, you, you haven't even got, we, we derailed and we just talked the whole time. What do you think? Do you have any, do you have any opinion on more or less judges in the Supreme Court?
3: I, y'all sound like, you know, way more what you're talking about <laughs> than I do. And your points sound super valid. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, having more obviously seems like, like what you were saying about um people's influence on them, specifically the president. Um, is just lessened the the more people you have,
0: yeah, I mean that seems to make sense to me, I don't know, but yeah, yeah well I mean, and it's, it,
3: and also with it being a lifetime situation, like it's kind of terrifying to get anyone in that much power, you yeah. know, to be one ninth of one third of the of the government, yeah, you know, yeah, or the federal government,
0: absolutely, no, i that's a good point,
3: like like just thinking back to when. That one uh what is what was his name even? Uh Brett. Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh. Brett. Yeah. 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 Brett. But yeah, like the whole Brett Kavanaugh hearing, like that that was a huge deal and so many people cared about that. And yep. then like to have him be put in a position where for life he's he's on the Supreme Court, like yep. as you know, allegedly um, an abuser is, like, pretty terrifying.
0: And it's just, it sucks because it's a repetition of exactly what happened in, was it, 91 with Justice Clarence Thomas mm. and yeah. Anita Hill. Anita Hill, yeah. And he, who was a staffer. If you don't know the story, there's a really good HBO movie on it. And there's a bunch of stuff you can look up. But essentially, Anita Hill uh, was a staffer of his, and he sexually harassed her, and she called him on it, suit sued, sued him i guess i don't know it ended up being a whole just like the kavanaugh thing uh, and where, then
3: now he's in charge of interpreting the law and making moral yeah. decisions he's the, the he, he's us. the
0: chief Is he, you know, he's not the chief justice but he's like he's been there this i think the second longest of anybody on the court now and so yeah we got two known and there were testimonies you know, in court and stuff uh abusers and so yeah. yeah. And so it's just like you, you would think like, OK, well, that well, that's the the 90s. So, you know, we've come a long way since then. And like, no, <laughs> no, no, still the same. So real quick, we'll wrap, we'll wrap up this section. Uh, monthly citizenship checks is another thing that they were putting in this voter restriction bill where they check every month to uh, compare the voter registration rolls to the citizenship rolls. And I every guess purge month. them. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't match that up. That
3: sounds like a great. Use of time. Well, you know what?
1: I think that is, um, and this is, like, I think we talked about it, like, way back in the day. It's, it feels like it was way back in the day. I think, like, maybe, like, four months ago or something. Um, we uh, we discussed how, um, like, the voter roll purges are actually just based on um, having, like, a duplicate name, you know? So, like, if yes. your name is John Smith and there's already a John Smith, um, to use, like, a, you know, stereotypical white name example, um, you know, they're like, oh, we already have John Smith on here and they live in the same state. So we better uh, eliminate this other person.
0: Yeah. So if your name's Eric Hernandez, for instance, then, and there's a bunch of other ones that live in the same zip code or area, then yeah, then it's very possible that yeah. your stuff's going to get. Taken off or whatever. Just if you have a generic name, you know, any, and that's what they're looking yeah. for. Well, they're ta- they're
1: targeting, yeah, like yeah. um, you know, common um Hispanic names and like common black names. Um, or I don't know if yeah. you can say common. I don't know I feel weird saying that, but um, but that's like the intention of of the voter roll purges, and that's very much how it's done. So like, yeah. and they and you don't find out if you've been purged. You, know, so you have to like, check on your own. Yeah, that's why they say that, like, you should, you know, like, every election season they're like, make sure you're actually still, you know, eligible to vote and that you're still registered to vote because you, you may have been purged, you know. Um. So, yeah. so yeah, like, I think that's kind of, like, an expansion of that yeah. same thing, like, in this provision of this bill because I think they're, like, wanting to not wait till, you know, like October, like the month yeah. before elections to do it. They want to actually like be doing it year round, right. um which I think is, you know, needs to be taken into consideration because, like that's really impacting like our state, yeah, <laughs> and it
0: it got in knocked... our local elections, so they tried to put this in the House bill or in the regular session. Uh, and it landed it says that that sort of review landed the state and federal court over concerns that targeted naturalized citizens who were classified as possible non u s citizens. Mm. And it ended up agreeing to settle three different legal challenges and agreed to rework their methodology uh, only to flag voters who provided DPS with documentation showing they were not citizens after they registered to vote, which doesn't, like, make any sense. And so and they didn't follow through with that. So, like, I don't know why they're putting it back in the bill if it already got challenged in court and they're, like, they're already settled to, like, not do that and they're just, like, trying to do it again <laughs> or something.
1: Because um, they... Yeah. Because they act with impunity, yeah. like, on a regular basis and they don't think that rules apply to them.
0: Thomas, are you back? Can you hear us? Oh. I see you. He's here. Keep keep what well, you're here in spirit. Come on, come on back whenever you, whenever you can, buddy.
1: If you can hear us. Um He's stuck in the void. So we
0: got two more two more things uh, on this voter restriction bill. Uh one is I was unaware of this. I remember this story, but I didn't when I read it. I was like, I don't know what this is. Uh the Crystal Mason provision. Do you remember the Crystal Crystal Mason story? Um. That's, so.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the chick that um got arrested for voting in Tarrant County, right?
0: Yep. In Tarrant County, yeah. uh, controversial illegal voting conviction of Crystal Mason, a Tarrant County woman facing a five year prison sentence for casting a provisional ballot in 2016. She was on supervised release for a federal conviction at the time, and she said she didn't know what she didn't know that it made her ineligible. They didn't tell her when she left and was on federal conviction release. Uh, supervisor's released. They didn't tell her she couldn't vote, so she went and voted, and, and now she's facing five years for doing that. Yeah. Um. And so this provision in the bill, which is something the Republicans put in the bill, would make it to where that doesn't happen. Um. It would require well, it would require judges so to it. inform someone of a conviction. Yeah. So, they, so now they would be required by law to tell them you're not allowed to vote. Um. <laughs> so why don't you just let them vote? um right that's that's an option yeah but i mean i guess this is a baby step um again there's like these little tiny concessions throughout the bill that the republicans are like well we'll give them this but we're gonna and, and so that, they
1: do shit like that and yeah. then they're like we're for criminal justice
0: and they for- focus on that in the media the, the The republicans frame it as just like oh we're passing but we're expanding hours for early voting look oh we're putting in the crystal mason provision so now you got to tell people they can't vote when they can't vote yeah yeah, we're doing it we're, we're, we're doing things we're for doing people good.
1: who have been convicted that you know like are left out like we're doing things that are helping them no. vote more or whatever and it's just like okay the, like. so
0: the last one and this one's gross to me is the enhancing poll watcher protection oh Jesus Christ so it grants poll watchers free movement within a polling place except for being present at a voting station when a voter is filling out their ballot But anything else and anywhere else, they can free roam and do whatever and say whatever. Oh, my God. Which that sounds like a chaotic environment to be voting in. To me, if you got a bunch of poll watchers mean mugging you.
1: If you have a bunch of like, you know, white nationalists. I mean, they're all in black neighborhoods. Like what happened on the east side of Fort Worth? Yeah. While people were voting. Yeah. Um, We had
0: Michael here to talk about that. Yeah.
3: I love that you can't be on your phone like. With your with your research about the candidates pulled up, you know, but you can have just people in there with free movement.
0: Yeah. Just observing, you know, being intimidating, whatever. I mean, they've already got a lot of rights. So currently, poll watchers are entitled to sit or stand conveniently near election workers, and it is a criminal offense to prevent them from observing. But they're wanting more freedom and free reign.
1: Did. Yeah, and that's that's like the grossest one like in the whole bill I think. You know, like to me like that's like even worse than voter ID than the voter ID requirements and I've already like expressed how much I hate those. But like I mean that that is restricting voting in in ways that, you know, like you can't even really be put on paper, you know what I mean? Like yeah. like imagine, you know, being in like a conservative stronghold Area and you're the only Democrat, and there's people standing in line at the Democratic side of, of you know, of the room, you know, mean mugging you and you know, giving you dirty looks or whatever. Like there's a lot of different ways that that could play out, like really negatively, that like almost like can't even really be accounted for, like in within the provisions of the bill, you know.
0: Thomas, what do you think of of poll watchers? Riveting, he hates them. riveting. <laughs> can you hear us? Are you there?
2: I can hear you, but I'm trying to find a mic that works. Oh no. Okay,
3: we just heard you. We can hear you.
2: Let yeah. me to just go go around with my phone because I can do that. Sure. My my USB my the, the USB cord to my audio interface has died. Oh, I'm getting like no. the white flashes of death that you normally get with Steinbergs. I'm sorry.
3: Love I'm sorry. this.
2: <sighs> that that, that's for you audio nerds out there (laughs) the the two of you that might know what i'm talking about
0: (laughs) so we've been talking while you while you dropped off we were talking about uh the voter restriction bill that they're trying to push like we talked about how the democrats fled but like why do they flee Well, because of all this crap we've been going through do you have any hot takes about any of that stuff
2: well i know that there's a Typical misconception on it. Uh, most conservatives think it's only it only has to deal with voter ID, and that's why Democrats don't want it. Mm-hmm. The truth is that, that the only part that pertains to voter ID that I've seen is when it when it comes to mail-in ballots. Yep. Uh, they're gonna going to stop verifying by like uh, the last four year social, mm-hmm. and they're going to start using your uh, driver's license number. And that was actually that actually had very little debate involved with it whatsoever. There was almost no pushback to Democrats. It was like a concession that Democrats were, were making. It was like the one thing mm. everyone could agree on. They were just
0: like, um, I mean, compared to what is already in place for regular voting, it's like the status, It's the same. So it's just like it's not yeah. making it any worse than kind of what most people have to deal with, anyways. Exactly.
2: And then they put the uh, the protections on for to basically prevent that incident that happened in Tarrant County, where the woman got like five years in prison. Yeah. Yeah. yeah basically crystal. judges are now going to have to like inform uh, people that you know they can't vote if they can't vote or their, or their voting rights um, did we talk about the other person in, in Harris County that's getting like that's facing like 40 years for the same thing right now No.
1: Yeah.
2: oh yeah so I forget what his name is but uh, he's on supervised release he's been out of prison a couple of years he voted in the 2018 election also and there was no incident. And then this past election, it had like really long lines, like every other other thing. He may have been the last person, period, to vote in Texas in person. Wow. Like he got he got in line at like 6:50 and did not leave until 1 30 AM. Like the guy has two jobs, and literally he got off of one job, went to the polling place, and by the time he was done voting, Went to another job, and they're trying to put him in in, in prison for forty years, Four zero. zero. Ridiculous. That is that is more time than Derek Chauvin's currently serving yes. for killing a man.
1: Yeah, almost double <laughs> for voting.
0: Yeah. Wow, absolutely really
2: ridiculous. That that is another tactic of voter suppression. Like anyone yeah. who's getting out of prison hears that, they're never gonna they're they're never gonna risk it
1: exactly exactly
0: that's insane and so yeah it goes going back to that whole totalitarian sort of thing i know that's a extreme term but like that this is literally what that is like when you're intervening in people's lives in this sort of way on this level like this is and this is normally again what people on the right are supposed to be against, supposed to be, supposed to be against government intervention in our lives. But that's, that's exactly what this is. Yeah.
1: Not the new right though. Not the old right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's terrible. I'm going to have to look into that case. Um, I hadn't, I hadn't heard that, but I just can't, I just can't think of like a bigger, like miscarriage of justice as they say, (laughs) like giving a person 40 years for trying to vote is just completely insane. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Thomas, yeah. I guess, do you mind muting whenever whenever you're off? We can hear all that feedback. Yeah, let me set it to that one second. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So, okay, we've got a couple of more hot topics that we want to hit real quick this week. So we've got this museum um, down in Austin and this book that was written. I really want to get this book. Uh, I want to get it to this happened a few weeks ago. We were actually going to talk about this last week on the podcast, but we had we had enough to cover. Um, but it's kind of it goes on along the same lines of the critical race theory um, thing that's been going on. Right. Where like us history teachers now have to kind of censor certain aspects of history in our classroom. Uh, and so this is just kind of another extension or example of that. And so there's a great Texas Tribune article that talks about this that's down below in the show notes titled State Museum Cancelled Book Event Examining Slavery's Role in the Battle of the Alamo after Texas GOP leaders complained, authors say. So these guys wrote this book called uh, Forget the Alamo, and they had scheduled a speaking event at uh, this state Texas museum in Austin, and the event was canceled like the day before, um, after pressure from Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and the, the Republican administration here in the state of Texas, because they saw this as that type of CRT, critical race theory stuff that they were trying to restrict in classrooms. And they're like, Oh, well this book is espousing those type of messages. Um, so we need to ban it from being spoken about.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like what I, um what I find so interesting about this and um, I know there's a lot of interesting things about this and a lot to say, but like, what I thought was like the the most interesting to me and something that I think I guess maybe could be up for consideration now is like like the the reason that Dan Patrick and Abbott were able to cancel this event is because they sit on the board yes. of the of the museum yeah and they didn't you know because like a governor and lieutenant governor <laughs> sitting on the board of a museum you know, they're like not really paying that much attention to like the events that are coming up, hopefully because they're doing their other job, but maybe hopefully not because I don't like the quality of work that they do in their positions anyways. Um but anyways, they like find out last minute that this is happening and they're like, like critical race theory, like talking about what we actually did during the Battle of the Alamo and slavery and white people bad. Oh my God or whatever. Um and so like they cancel it. But like like should they even be sitting on this board like while they're in office, is it normal for you know people that are in like currently serving terms in office to like sit on these types of like? Community I don't. Boards? I think
0: it's a conflict of interest for sure, but I, mean, I think it seems it's like common. it is
1: to me. Like, I mean, if it is this a is this a? I mean, I think this is a like publicly funded museum. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think it's a private museum.
0: Um Yeah, it's yeah. The, Bull- the Bullock Museum, which is uh, kind of run by the State Preservation Board.
1: Yeah, so I just, um, I don't know. Like, I-, I had never really considered, you know, like, like, this is, like, literally, like, you know, elected officials controlling history. <laughs> like, yeah. not even, like, oh, we're going to, like, censor what other people are doing in the classroom that we're not actually in. This is them, like, literally, like, sensory like what's going through like this this museum and it's like if you're not going to learn about yeah you know, I, I mean like read the the quote from the author like at the end like where he's
0: oh at the end i mean can't so towards the beginning chris, chris so there's three authors on the book uh chris tomlinson shot back to the, to the to the lieutenant governor on twitter and said lieutenant governor dan patrick takes credit for opposing free speech and policing thought in texas at bullock museum proves it's a propaganda outlet as for a fact-free comment well a dozen people of a dozen people professional historians disagree so i mean i guess uh right before that so lieutenant governor said as a member of the state preservation board i told staff to cancel this event as soon as i found out about it uh and so this is their back and forth that that kind of happens i thought it was funny that the author like wasn't scared to like get into it with the governor on twitter be like bro you're silencing you're you're oppressing free speech you talk you you say you're a free speech advocate but here you are like literally oppressing free speech and like and what he says is like if you can't talk about the history at the history museum like where can we talk about it you know um and so are y'all familiar with i mean i guess like thomas i know you kind of are a history guy like what is, what is y'all's perception of like the current story of the Alamo? Cause this is what it is that we have. We have the normal story that like most Texans are like raised with and then we have like Crocky. what really happened. Yeah. Like Daniel Rose and, and, and Thomas, like what do y'all, what do y'all think of the story of the Alamo? Let's talk about so,
2: that. So, you know, the, the the typical Texas drove is they always equated to like the, the 300 moment in Sparta, you know, the, the, the poor Texans were oppressed by the, the Mexican army and the Mexican army destroyed them. And then Sam Houston came and, you know, them up in the, in the Battle of San Jacinto, but I'm betting that the real story is a little bit less.
0: Uh, should we say attractive? Yeah, I think that's a fair. I think it's a fair way to put
3: it. Yeah, I think that the the quote um, by who was it? One of the one of the people involved in in the book. I don't know why it doesn't say their name here. Um, oh, the publisher. Um, says as uncomfortable as it may be to hear, for some celebrating the Alamo has long had an echo of celebrating whiteness.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: That one uh, hits a little hard.
0: Yeah, I mean that's kind of, and that's the thing. Like it's, it's been like you said, Davy Crockett uh you know daniel boone or not daniel not daniel boone i uh, said Bowie. daniel boone yeah i was like wait, a minute, the wait a minute <laughs> uh, <laughs> i
1: was like wait i think
0: that's jim Bowie yeah. and all of these white you know and the pioneer type heroes like that's kind of how they're for their they're viewed as like frontiersmen who are like out there roughing it yeah uh, and focuses on them what the book and i haven't read it like again i want to read it the, what the book is talking about uh, and this is stuff that I learned. Uh, I took Texas history at UTA under Professor Sam Haynes, who I believe still teaches it there. He wrote the textbook that we used too, uh, we, and we talk about this this sort of real history where there was actually quite a few Mexicans who fought at the Alamo alongside these white "quote unquote" Americans um, against because they weren't they wanted their own independence too. They wanted freedom from the from the the Mexican government. But here's the thing that no one really talks about. and Here's what the book focuses on: is that the fact. The Mexican government allowed American settlers into Mexico, into Texas, because there was really not any infrastructure that connected Mexico City to Texas. And so as far as like policing and running and governing, like a place that's very far away from like where your kind of central power is, uh, it's very difficult when you don't have roads or, you know, uh, trains or anything to kind of go up there, especially if you think about the terrain, you know, in s- South Texas and in like Northern Mexico, it's very desertous. it's kind of very rocky. It's hard to get over there, so they were like, "Well, if we get people to come over from America and settle there, um, then that'll be people there, and so then that'll kind of protect, that'll kind of give us, you know, this is our area. If we got people with settlers there, then it's like easier to claim it as your own, uh, and then to run it." But Mexico was against slavery, uh, and so there, that was one of the stipulations of like coming over was like you can't bring your slaves, uh, and you have to be Catholic. That was the other thing. Like, you, if only Catholic settlers. Um, but it wasn't like they had a, a border with, you know, people checking papers or whatever, right? Like anybody could just come over. So you ended up with a bunch of white Southern Southerners, a lot, particularly people from Kentucky and like Tennessee in that area. Um, and they brought their slaves with them. And so this battle of the Alamo, battle of the Alamo and really the battle for Texas independence was very much about slavery. Um, because it was about the right to keep your slaves, even though the, Me- the tyrannical Mexican government doesn't want us to have slaves. And like that was the issue. And so and that's why, you know, Santa Ana came up there with his army. There's also a lot of political instability in Mexico during this time period too that often gets overlooked as to like why the Mexican government was doing the things that it did. Um, but like none of we don't ever hear about any of that stuff. We don't hear that there were African Americans. We don't hear that there were Mexicans that were also fighting at this thing. And we don't hear how slavery was like inherently tied to this bat this war that happened. Um, and that's what the History book, but that I guess, like, that's not critical race theory.
1: No, like, that's that's it's just
0: acknowledging race in history. That's all it is. This isn't critical race theory. This isn't a critical race theory book.
1: No, <laughs> like, oh, I don't know who needs to hear this, but critical race theory is a sociological theory. Like, it's not any different than, you know, like, like feminist theory. It's not any different than, like, you know, like, um, I don't know, there's like a ton of different like sociological theories that you know, yeah, but like cr- critical association, you're just critically you know?
0: looking at things from a systemic perspective, critically questioning does this work? How does it work? Why does it work? Is it working the way that it's supposed to? And critical race theory is just looking at race, yeah, well, it's just critically, at
1: race. like, <laughs> it's looking at <laughs> it through the lens, <laughs> looking at the different name. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hence the name.
1: Right. Like it doesn't have anything to do with even like teaching history. Like that's what's so strange to me is like I think. Yeah, I it's, think not h- way... it's not
0: a historical frame of thought or school of thought.
1: No. At, at all. It's like we, you know, used a lot in like sociology, particularly in like you know, like the criminological aspect of sociology, as it should be, because like our, you know, country, like, you know, imprisons more, you know of our minority population than any other country on the planet, you know? So yeah, like that's a good place to talk about it, but like talking about race or, or teaching, you know, the fact that like slavery happened or whatever, like that doesn't have anything to do with critical race theory. And I'm like becoming more and more convinced that nobody actually even knows what it is. Um, and I think it's just like, so strange. And like the fact that like the right and, you know, like so many, um, I guess like you could, you know, I, I guess just like conservatives in general are like using critical race theory to like scaremonger about like you know like white genocide and just like the ties to like white supremacist and like white power rhetoric like in this ongoing debate is very concerning to me. Yeah, and um, it's I, because I just... they're
2: afraid they're afraid kids are going to read about people like the Atwater who actually mm.
0: worked and was a top Republican. Yeah, hundred percent,
1: absolutely.
0: The Southern Strategy, That's even in
2: the dark whistle, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah,
0: yeah, go, go. If you don't know who we're talking about, go look up on YouTube. Type in like Lee Atwater, Southern Strategy, Yeah. and you'll find the audio clips of him talking with Nixon and explaining like, "Hey, this is what we need to do," in very racist and explicit terms. Yeah, um, and so yeah, that's this is a, certainly an extension of that that type of mentality. You're very right, Thomas. Like that's that's a big part of this, and that's here in Texas. Like that we we kind of.
1: Yeah, you know, so like to word it the way that like we at Water would have worded it, you know, like we used to say things like, oh, like we don't want. You know, and I'll quote Lee Atwater. I'm not gonna actually quote him because that was was crazy. No, I'm not. um, (laughs) You know, using slurs for people of color. You know, like we used to use these like racial slurs, and everybody was cool with it. But you know, then people started becoming like more politically correct, and so now we say things like, you know, we don't want critical race theory to be taught, and you know, we don't want people knowing that slavery happened, and you know, we're gonna you know use these other terms and to yeah essentially like
0: it essentially boils down to like diffusing out the point like well we don't want to say we don't want black people in our neighborhood we're going to talk about economics and we're going to talk about you know theory in this case and we're going to talk about these big ideas that makes it so kind of incoherent and detached from the original idea that people don't connect the dots.
1: And we're going to, you know, use terms that, like, no white conservatives have ever even heard before in their lives. And <laughs> like, that's
0: it's because scary, it's scary. Because it's
1: sociological theory. Like, white conservatives don't take sociology classes. Like typically, There's
0: got to be a few, right?
1: There probably are. But, like, I mean, you couldn't be more far removed from, like, the actual conversation and, like, circumstances like where critical race theory is actually, like, discussed mm-hmm. and and use like in the classroom than like what these people are, are trying to like say is being done with it or what it even means. Yeah. Like it's insane.
0: So I just that's I just wanted us to talk about that for a little bit. As a history person, I was like, hey, this is a history thing and this is kind of a it ties to everything else that's been going on. Do y'all have anything else, any comments y'all want to say about this story?
2: I don't think so. Jerry Patterson needs to die, that's about <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't want to wish death upon any anyone
2: oh oh by the way the uh the state board that we're th- that they're...
0: you cut out thomas say like, the state board what the state oh no
1: yeah.
2: that is a state run can you still hear me yeah there we go
1: now we can. Yeah.
2: that is a state run uh board so all the members are public representatives right now
0: oh okay so it's like it's part of of things
2: that since he's the governor and they're the lieutenant governor they're technically the head of every board
0: Hmm. that makes sense so and then yeah that's that's another thing i just want to make it clear that like texas has been very heavily involved in maintaining a certain framing of texas history like this the state has and so like if you go down to san jacinto uh the monument down there that was written by the state of texas and the the inscription on it isn't accurate, which is one of the things we talked about in my class. Like a lot of these inscriptions and uh, in in the monuments that we place around the state, all that stuff's written by the state. Uh, and so it has a very biased sort of story. And a lot of people just don't think about history in that sort of way. They go on a vacation and they go to the, the thing and they read the plaque and they go, huh, that's what happened. Uh, but like, I'm very who wrote that? We don't often ask, ask that. No, it's the state. So they're definitely framing it in a, in a, in a certain way. And here's just, again, it's a very, I'm glad very glad that you said that, Thomas. Here's the state, you know, being 100% actively involved in the story that it chooses to tell about itself.
3: Yeah, and I want to, like, make a point that, like, nobody, nobody's even trying to change those plaques, you know? Like, right. nobody's, like, submitting to, like, have the Alamo, like, represent itself differently, you know? Totally. They just wrote a book about <laughs> yeah. the history of it. That's yeah. it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. They just wrote a book examining, like, Possible differences in how people learn about this historical event.
0: Yep. And that that's, that's terrifying all. for some reason. Like, it's like, that, that's, it's all fear. It's just fear. And it's like fear of the truth in some way. And I don't want to get a whole high mind about the truth or whatever. We have to fear about
1: white like, genocide is what it
0: is. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, that's that, the more. I think that is like the underlying thing, yeah, elephant
1: right. in the room. Like, this is actually nothing more than like, white supremacist and, like, white power, you know, like, dynamics and talking points, like, leaking out into, like, mainstream conversations about things, which is, like, largely because the the alt-right is, is a white power movement, yeah. <laughs> like, in every sense of the word. Like, um, so I just don't, yeah. I mean, it, it's really gross. Like, it doesn't look like that on the surface, but, like, when you start looking at, like, the ideology and, like, the underlying themes and, Um, agendas like of of these incidents like that keep happening that's what it is like
0: yep absolutely
3: and like George P. Bush was like woke culture has arrived on the shores of Texas like (laughs) (laughs) do do, do you know what woke culture is woke culture means being aware of the issues like Like, yeah woke culture means like knowing as much as you can about things that you have opinions about you know Yeah. like and, th- and th- it's it's just fear. It's like oh, if people know about things, ooh, yeah. that'll be bad.
0: Arriving on the shores, <laughs> <don't> like you're <laughs> yeah. like a conquistador or yeah. something. Yeah,
3: I just imagine
1: like a cruise liner of like LGBTQ individuals. <laughs> you mean Jesus wasn't like, oh, pulling up? I want to like, be there. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> right, a big pride, <laughs> like a big pride uh, cruise boat. liner,
1: like into Galveston Bay, like which in galveston America? has
0: that big festival every year that's always yeah, like south Padre
1: deal. island has been overrun with like wokies i guess like you know like, and the I other no thing idea. is
0: the assumption is that white woke culture hasn't been in texas before now right like. yeah like, like we weren't already here i guess
2: like jeez we were uh, fine and then they all started from california because socialist policies don't work
0: yeah yeah uh, so i mean here, literally to amber's point like the white supremacist messaging, like George P. Bush says that. And this is like what closes the article. I st- I don't know what he sounds like, but I'm going to make him sound like this. I stand with Alamo descendants. He said, I stand with other Texans that believe that the revolutionaries fought and gave the last ultimate measure on the grounds of the Alamo for the idea of liberty to liberate the Republic of Texas from a fierce and vicious <laughs> tyranny of the government in Mexico. Yeah. A vicious tyranny that said no slaves. Yeah. So- right. <laughs>
3: Yeah, which I just want to say like America's whole like all these like America's whole thing has been going to other people and being like you can't do this, yeah. you know, you can't have slaves. It was in Mexico territory. Yep. And yeah, I, that they I were like trying it. to say no slaves and and America was like, I don't know <laughs> right. about that.
0: Or what? But it was American. <laughs> well, it was, technically, technically. Here's the yeah, other thing yeah. about Texas, that. Yeah. Uh, slaves were Oh no, you did it again. Come back. Come back. Oh. Oh. Reading. Oh.
2: Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. I got Oh. I got <laughs> like absolutely perfect here. Um I had the push the talk thing. Anyways, slaves would like run to Mexico and then we just Mexico just would not give them back.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: And so they'd be all mad about it. They'd be like, if it's a fucker slaves, we're like, uh, no, those are people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They're staying here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's how, I mean, that was one of the original roles of the Texas Rangers. And nobody, <laughs> nobody knows what the Texas Rangers were actually used for. But it was a lot of their, their work was like going down, you know, because the Texas Rangers like were given, the right, like, by Texas government to cross borders of other countries to actually go and, like, apprehend people. And they always make it sound, like, in history books that they were just going to apprehend criminals who had fled from Texas. And it it was mostly people that were runaway slaves um, that had, like Thomas just said, like, gone to Mexico to find freedom. Um, And the Texas Rangers were, like, basically, like, catching runaway slaves and, and trying to bring them back. Um because the Texas Rangers are fucking gross. Like um people no nobody actually realizes that because they just think of like Chuck Norris and that TV show from the nineties about how Walker. Yeah Texas yeah, Ranger. like about yeah. this like Chuck
0: Norris is actually
2: an honorary Texas Ranger. He's the only
0: one I respect. Wow. Interesting. I did not know that. My dad was on that show back in the night. I just had to say that. I got a Chuck Norris oh autograph right here on my wall right next to me. Oh my god. Did he so, get did he get Roundhouse by Chuck Norris? Uh he did get shot. He was one of the millions of people who just got murdered every episode. Um he also was a, a priest he read it due to la- his last rites. That was another thing he got to do. Yeah. That's cool. fun times. Uh Thomas, you had a couple stories you wanted to hit before we wrapped up, right?
2: I did. Y'all only hear about Joe Manchin?
0: <laughs> yes. No. Please,
2: please. Yeah. Okay. So as we probably talked talked earlier, uh, Hang on, I'm going to turn off my my
0: post talk for sure. So for those who don't know, Joe Manchin is the senator, the U.S. Congress senator uh, from West Virginia. He's a Democrat, but he often votes with the Republicans. I mean, he's a Democrat in Maine, basically. Yeah. So.
2: When the Texas uh, House when the when the Texas House Democrats basically le- left uh, left the state so we couldn't get, uh, conduct business. Um, my hat's off to them. Uh, they started meeting with lawmakers in Washington to, to try to compel them to make a uh, federal voting rights bill and get it passed. Well, like everything else, it's at the it's at the whims of one Joe Manchin, who right now is being referred to as President Joe Manchin because he basically holds all the cards. Like He's just running
0: the Senate because he's the oftentimes the deciding vote.
2: Yeah, he's he's the king maker here. Um anyways, I, I'll give it to him he was honest about this, but uh they went to meet with him to try to compel compel him to wade using the filibuster to uh to make this for for this voting rights bill. And beforehand he's like, I'll meet with them, but I I doubt they're gonna change my mind and they didn't. Well after they meet, uh Joe Manchin announces that he's going to Texas for a fundraiser with gop representatives from texas you know the ones who are voting to uh have them arrested to conduct business and we're we're, we're drafting this uh voting voter suppression bill in the first place
0: yeah it's pretty bad it's a bad look it's pretty infuriating it's like you're going to play both sides of it like that. And so, obviously, too. Like, that was a public statement to go, oh, I'm going to go to Texas for this fundraiser.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm going to go support the GOP of Texas.
0: He's
2: basically a Republican who supports you. That's that's what he is. That That is it. That's yeah. all he is.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things. I, I really wish the Biden administration would play more hardball with Manchin. Um, because that's kind of... They're just letting him kind of call all the shots and it's like you don't have to do that you can threaten to take away committee positions you can threaten to do certain things to keep him in line but they're not doing any of that um and that's not biden specifically that's more the congress you know the house and and uh or the senate rather forgive me uh chuck schumer and all that sort of stuff um but yeah it's it's frustrating when you have your your joe mansions your Kristen cinemas that are kind of like holding the entire party hostage because they are in these red states. They claim they're appealing to their constituents. Oh, I live in West Virginia. I got to vote with the Republicans because that's their values. But that's not actually really how their constituents, if you poll them and look at the poll again, like, that's not actually how they feel. They're just siding with yeah. their donors.
2: I think what they need to do, if I were the Democratic Party, I would spend less time on Joe Manchin and more
0: time on people like Mitt Romney. Hmm. So get the get the moderate Republicans to start caucusing with the Democrats. You got your. Exactly. Susan. Like if
2: you have enough that stood up to Trump that you could probably make a good case. I know for a fact, Romney is one of the few ones that are still known to like sincerely sit down and listen and try to compromise. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, that's certainly another McCain, option. Dude. It's John McCain's dad because McCain probably would have been perfect for this. Yeah. Yeah, that
0: was one of the things that he was, you know, he kind of stuck to his guns about that. People in Arizona really respect respected him. Um, Plus, him and Biden go way back, so I mean, they're yeah. He's more he'd be more inclined to listen, you know. Yeah, so I'm curious to see what actually gets done this session because it's very likely uh, that the Democrats are going to lose the House in in 2022 because that's just what happens. If you guys don't know, if you if you haven't been paying attention to elections for that long. Pretty much any time one party takes all three branches, the next, you know, two years later, um, one of those either the house or the senate or something goes to the other party. So when Obama was elected, he had the house, the senate, and the presidency for two years. The Democrats did, and then in 2010, the Republicans took back the house. Uh, and when Trump won in 2016, they had the Republicans and all three branches. You know, the the senate, the, the, the presidency, the house, and the senate. And then two years later, uh in twenty eighteen, the Republicans lost the House. So it's very likely that it's gonna happen again where the Republicans kinda take control uh in twenty twenty. It would be kind of a miracle if that didn't happen, I think. Well, and um, then
1: you have all the voter suppression laws like exactly many that will of be in place. Will probably yeah. be upheld, you know.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, here's the thing Time they pass federal
2: legislation, it might not work. It might not work. Plus, yeah, that's um, yeah. Yeah. I think if the Democrats played this right, they could probably keep the House and win
0: some Senate seats. Uh, if it's a it's possible, it's certainly possible. It, they would have to, I, I agree, play it right. And I'd like to see more <laughs> more on that. front.
2: I mean, I don't see it happening. Like, I hate Mitch McConnell, but he's damn good at at keeping that Senate like this. He's very yeah, effective he's, as, he's as, a, the, as a as a as a leader.
0: Yeah. To, to the country's detriment. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Uh, what else? What else? What was the other one that you wanted to talk about, Thomas? Check my notes. Forgot. That's my bad.
3: I think he sent the article for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Police chief notes.
0: Ah yes,
3: not wanting to form a citizen review board.
0: So I guess he's gone out publicly and said that. Now he said that when we covered the forum, he was asked that question along with or the the panel when they were when they were interviewing all the candidates for chief, and he was the only one that was vehemently that was, like, against totally a civilian against review board. Yeah. So now he's saying it again, Thomas. What did he say? um basically
2: what he was saying was he didn't know how much of a uh, he's basically seeing the same thing Manny ramirez saying mm. uh he doesn't know how much benefit it is he doesn't know if that's the way they need to go uh the police monitor is already doing things by the way even the police monitor in fort worth does not have the same privileges a normal police monitor, monitor no. would No. Nope. right she's not independent yeah. The reason these the reason these police these citizen review boards exist in the first place they actually go back way back they were created to curb corruption within police unions, mm. which is probably the primary reason why he doesn't like them. Yeah. Some people say not effective because you know we haven't you know look at all the the stuff that's still happening all the crimes and stuff. Well, the reason that's still happening is because if you take all the areas they have citizen you know police review boards. You've got like eighty-one thousand police departments, something like that. Not, or eighty-one thousand people. Basically, it's not a lot. It's a very small percentage of all the police stations out out oh, yeah. there.
1: Yeah, I mean, like the way that I've always like heard it framed is that you know, like the, I guess, like the downfall of like of like citizen review boards is that like they don't actually have enough power to effectuate any actual changes like within police departments like a lot of them you know there's different models like sometimes it's like a use of force review board where um you know people are there and trying to determine whether um different uh you know like actions that were taken by law enforcement were um you know exceeding their the use of force requirements was it appropriate was it inappropriate could it have been avoided um, sometimes, like, the citizens don't even actually have voting rights on stuff like that. So, like, that's, all, like, the issue with citizen review boards. It's not, you know, like, like not an issue of, you know, um, should we have them or, or should they not? Or do they not do anything to, like, you know, limit crimes? It's not about, like, limiting the behavior of the citizens. It's about limiting the behavior of law enforcement officers. Like, so. Um,
3: miss, will you go back to push to talk? Um, it- yeah. The noise from your end is making them quieter. <laughs> Somehow. Sorry,
0: guys. Oh, my gosh. You're good, buddy. But, okay. but, yeah, I mean, we're almost done anyways. But, yeah, it's it's uh, it's still very disappointing, I think, that us in Fort Worth are still having to deal with the police as if it's, like, 1991 yeah. or something.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, well, they're trying to walk it back, and, like, the thing is, they're only making very small concessions, yeah. and the only reason we're getting concessions now is because, I don't know if you notice, but, uh, Police Union doesn't have a lot, uh, have as much sway
0: over the city council right now mm-hmm. as it did. Yep, because we got some new members in there. We got a Chris Nettles yeah. in there. We got a Dr. Jared we Williams four, in there.
2: We got four or five situations. Did you see what Chris Nettles said about, uh... Tatiana's case.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. we covered that last week, actually. Yeah, or last episode. Yeah, yeah. Like, Aww. they're they know they're going to get one.
2: It's just a question of how much power they're going to get. It. They're going to go kicking and screaming too, because um, yep. they don't want. They want this to fail. They want this to go back to when
0: they don't have to be held accountable to the people.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. We'll keep an eye on this. We'll keep an eye on what Fort Worth PD is up to, but but. Chief Noakes is up to things. You know, lately, you know, this past couple episodes have been more on like the the state level, a little bit of national stuff. Um, but we're certainly going to try and keep abreast of what's happening at the local level as well and share that everybody. So thank you, everybody, for all the research and everything this week, and thanks for sticking with us. And have a great week. Bye.
4: Yeah. Bye. <laughs>